0: I, I have a feeling it's going to be all different. Yeah, especially after Plumber huddled yeah, up in his, yeah, his little I mean, hobbit the, hole uh, for eighty-four hours. But, Dude, it
1: was like working a full-time job. <laughs> like man, you
2: know, man.
1: it was all like.
2: Plumber <laughs> says. Plummer says eighty hours. He no, started with forty. and I was Hundred and eighty on. <laughs> I was.
1: I was wrong, but I feel like true trophies <laughs> hours. Are weird. It says 170 on one thing, but 184 on a whole different page. But my save file says, like, 130. And I'm going by the save file on Baldur's Gate. Like, that, to me, is, like, the bedrock. Does it get screwed
2: up because you both played it? But didn't you restart a save? Or didn't you restart your whole game?
1: I did, but I looked at my other save files, and they account for their own hours, so... The one that I had files
2: added up added up to 130. Uh
1: no, like I think just the playthrough I had was like 130 or something like that.
2: Oh well then yeah, because you had thirty in another Or it's no it's one oh
1: eight. It's one oh eight. Like the one I just beat is one oh eight. The one I first started was twenty-four, so that's one thirty. But then I got, like, seven hours with you, I think, or six hours. Right. And that then I sense. got maybe one hour in my new one, so.
2: It might calculate it weird for that game. I, I do feel like sometimes the PlayStation's uh, counting's a little bit wonky, so.
1: I bet True Trophies runs on when you've entered in the game, because there's been times where I've left it on the, the main screen and gone done mm-hmm. shit, like smoked a joint, yeah, like that, so.
2: Well, I, I, that's why I'm always curious about idle time because it seems like some games that I've put like half as much time in, my hours are like crazy high. Yeah. So,
1: like Monster Well Let's is just go. With,
2: let's just go with the uh, the story. Matt, that Plummer played 200 hours of Boulder's Gate 3 over the last three weeks. <laughs> well, <200. laughs>
0: oh, he <laughs> didn't. He didn't gain 200 pounds in his time off of work, so he's <laughs> in good shape. <laughs> like, he, he didn't have time to eat, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> you think he was eating? <laughs>
1: There was one time where I started around, like, 10, and it was, like, 7 o'clock, and I was like, fuck, I haven't ate, like, I was emaciated, like, not drinking water and shit, just, like, (laughs) just totally locked in on the game, and I was like, oh, god.
0: Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co-op, a video game podcast. It's basically a book club only for video game nerds. Uh, My name's Matt. I'm joined by Jack and Dave, and today is our Game of the Year edition. These focuses on titles we specifically chose as our own personal games of the year, so it may differ slightly from some of the more traditional reward shows throughout the year. But uh, we look forward to this one every year, it's a it's a big deal. But before we dive into the topic at hand, we like to go around the room and discuss what we've currently been playing. I I'm, imagine maybe some titles that will appear on said list will be even be mentioned here. But uh, Jack, why don't we start with you? You're always kind of a wild card when it comes to these, so what have you been up to lately?
2: I wanted Dave to go first, because I'm going to, like, he's actually played something that normal people play as opposed to me. I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of shit that once our listeners hear, they're not going to tune in for the rest of the podcast. So Dave, before I get, before I get down my like wonky ass list, let's hear about, let's hear about Baldur's gate three.
1: Well, I don't want to talk too much about it. I mean, this is obviously going to be in the game of the year uh, discussion for me on this list, but yeah, I, uh, I don't want to say completed Baldur's gate three. Um, Definitely going for the platinum, so that's gonna take up my time until I get that done. Um, but yeah, I did complete my campaign. Like I saved scum my way through it, which I think is. I I feel like it could spend a whole episode or even two talking about this game, so I'll cut it short. But yeah, it was. It's a great game. Love to talk about it. Um, and then I've also been playing Monster Hunter World, and <laughs> damn and- it. I just want to mention, like, how much this is blowing up right now. Um, Like, it's starting to hit the kind of numbers that, like, a new game comes out with. Uh, I mean, not a direct release, but definitely, like, two or three months after its release. And uh, Gold, who is, like, this huge streamer, has been playing it. So this has just been, like, blowing up again. Monster Hunter, I think Wilds is going to be freaking ginormous i'm like predicting that it's gonna be like hitting extremely hard so um i'm kind of excited about that so those are definitely the two games i've been playing
0: I do love the fact that Dave has set himself up to where in theory he could pick Monster Hunter World as his number one every single year we do this podcast. So
2: We we actually talked about that before before you jumped on Matt. That was that was an actual dialogue.
1: I have not executed that maneuver yet, so I'm not I'm not trying to get myself like kicked out of this, you know. I'm not quite. I'm not trying to pull, you know anything. funny. So Matt, what have you been playing?
0: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll go next. Um, I have been replaying through Cyberpunk 2077 and I did go out and get the DLC, the Phantom Liberty. Um, I believe I'm on record as saying maybe off air, but I I will go ahead and say it for this upcoming year Um, because there aren't too many titles that excite me. um, I am kind of all in on playing through some DLC this year which is something that is a huge break from my normal philosophy because I'm bitter and old and don't like the idea of paying for something twice. But um, there's just so many DLC on the horizon and or are already out for amazing games we've played through recently. Uh, this being one of them, um, you know, Dave and I, one of our, I believe it was our fourth podcast of, we're on episode 99 now um we detailed our experience with playing through it and granted that was when it first released and we were playing the ps4 edition and uh you know we skewered this title but now playing it now in you know 2023 going in 2024 um now that it's been refined and everything is quite a different experience i'll say and the dlc uh is fantastic i mean it it clearly has been highly acclaimed by various critics and it, it shows. I mean, I, it had to have clearly had some backing because if they had Idris Elba <laughs> attached to it, um, you know, there's some money thrown at it, but um, it, it's quite good. And um, I know Dave, you'll, you'll probably never play through the campaign again, but, um, but... If, that, if that DLC ever goes on sale, it may be worth your time to check it out just so you can experience the game as it was intended to be released versus what we slogged through all those years ago, because it was multiple years ago.
2: Has Has CD Projekt Red done enough to um, redeem themselves in your eyes, or is there is there still the, the the stain? Um, you know,
0: more on that to come. But there, there's I'm have such mixed feelings playing through this title. There certainly is that sense of you know, wanting to acknowledge that I think it's amazing that they took the time and actually revisited things and did it right. But then when I also go back and I listen to that podcast that Dave and I did back, you know, when we first started back in 2020 or whatever, um, you know, that was uh, so much of what pissed me off about that whole experience was the fact that they released a game that wasn't ready and shouldn't have existed on the format Dave and I were playing it on. So you know, there are some areas where they've, def- I've definitely lost some faith with them. Um, but overall, their games, when they, when they create and finalize a title, um, you know, I, I have nothing but praise for them because this year we played through, I played through this again and I played through The Witcher 3. So I have pretty good idea of what they put out when they're at, they're at their peak and it, it's top notch stuff. So, um, you know, it, it's a difficult conversation and we'll, I'll add to it a bit later here, but, but yeah, that's, that's definitely one where I haven't fully made up my mind just yet.
1: Cyberpunk online. Like, where is it? That was one of the aspects. They cut so much, you know, from it and, you know, so much that they said that would be done. And now like, look, four years later, it's at a point where, um, it's like playable and enjoyable. I don't know. Uh,
2: meanwhile 15 minutes into this pod i'm already two out of five on my dave bingo list i got monster (laughs) hunter and i got shitting on cyberpunk
0: (laughs) all i'll say is that um i i need to look into it more but one thing that has been interesting is i've been seeing a lot more articles and postings from rather reputable sources talking about that and um it does seem that we're in the era now where you see like Grand Theft Auto Six obviously had the big leaks and things like that. Um, there's seemingly major leaks with almost every huge AAA title that's highly anticipated, and because they didn't really have as much with that, it's my understanding is that there was a lot of stuff that was kind of just thrown out there as ideas. The CD project Red didn't do a good enough job of saying that's not there. That like the subreddits and things like that just took off and were like, oh, this is going to be included and this is going to be so cool. And, and don't get me wrong. They definitely misled the public with certain things, like some of the videos of the action where it showcased a lot of abilities that didn't exist in the game when it was released and so on and so forth. But there is, because of the era in which it was, you know, originally announced versus the build up to when it was finally released, It is conceivable to me that there was a lot of information that was put out there that wasn't really fully developed for the game or intended to be a part of the game that just was accepted as being the truth because so many people were arguing about it online and and suggesting that it was real. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see in a few years like how that goes, if that was really the case or if this is just the PR team at CD project red, like kind of going behind the the scenes and feeding some shit to journalists to try to sway the public back into their opinion. So, um, but unfortunately we won't know that for
2: a while yet. Well, um, before I jump into my hodgepodge of new games I've been playing, I've got some, I love my family moments that I wanted to share with you too. I got, I got Nicole into this game threes on the phone. You basically just like combine these numbers. And you know you know Nicole's not a gamer. I, Josh, you know, I, it, it would be so great if, it, if she was, but it's Candy not Crush
1: be. is a game, Jack. Just well, and
2: this leads me to Candy Crush because like 10 minutes after I introduced her to this game threes, she's just knocking my high scores like nothing. At one point, she just kind of looks at me and smirks and she's like, I thought you were good at puzzle games and Just, I loved her so much in that moment. It just, it made me so happy. Um, Then, I've been waiting years to introduce my kids to Laser League. You know, uh, we we talk about this game in the past on this pod. This Super Smash Brothers meets Tron. That is no longer available online. Um, So I'm explaining this to my oldest, Kennedy, and and after about an hour, after I introduced her, I'm kind of like nervously like hoping she's into it. She looks over and she's like. This game is awesome. It doesn't make any sense that nobody's playing this. So I was like, yeah. Which, it only got better because the next day Dave came over and we were playing twos against each other. It was, it was me and Quinn versus Kennedy and Dave. And Quinn just let out this, hi And she used her smash ability to nail Dave into a laser. And it ended the match and got us the win. It was... It was love awesome family I just I, I just had to share those I love my family moments before uh getting on to more boring games that you've never heard of. It, um, was,
1: it was funny hearing like hi yah a shield hit, and I was like, ah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just this little six year old <laughs> hi <Hi-yah! laughs> good stuff, good stuff um I played a bunch of games uh you guys played one game, I played like ten, I won't talk about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I played uh, two jack.
1: Monster Hunter World is a game, bro. That
2: doesn't count anymore. <laughs> I told you that's just part of the bingo card. Uh I played that's like brushing your teeth at this point for Dave. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Vemba uh is basically like a heavy narrative tale. It takes less than two hours to complete, but it might be the best game I played in the last month um, since we last met on this pod. Basically, it's about this Indian family who has immigrated uh, to Canada. And I don't know what it is about this game. The, I mean, just everything just fits seamlessly into the narrative. The music is awesome. Art direction, beautiful. But really, it's the writing that kicks ass um, less than two hours. And this thing had me tearing up on three separate occasions. Um, it is really good. I have a tough time recommending it for anybody who's got to pay full price for a two-hour video game but you can get it free on game pass um i gotta talk about bramble because the first hour or so of bramble i just thought it was like a little nightmares-esque uh game but with shitty camera direction that constantly got me killed and i continued to die because it said shitty camera art uh, direction but everything else about that game started to like kind of come together it's Fucking amazing game direction, just juxtaposing these beautiful, like calm moments with these honestly, like really scary and creepyish gameplay. Uh, Bramble is really cool and might have my soundtrack of the year. Uh, that one takes about six hours. These are really short games. Uh, I just got to mention God Award Ragnarok Valhalla, something that you guys do know about and you guys should check it out because it's free. This is um, the uh, Ragnarok uh, roguelite that Santa Monica put out. And, Matt, you've kind of backed off, like, your 10 out of 10 review uh, that, you, that you gave for Ragnarok. I get it. There's a lot of, like, bloat in that game. A lot of it's, – it's a messy game. But this reminded me why it was my number two game of the year last year because the combat is just so damn satisfying. I played this right after I tried to check out Final Fantasy 16 and was just like, there's nothing wrong with Final Fantasy 16. But then you play Ragnarok and it's like, oh, yeah, this is why I don't want to play Final Fantasy XVI. Um, and there's actually a fair amount of like cool little narrative uh, added on as well. You guys really need to check this out. And you know what? I've played like four of the games, but I'm going to stop there in the interest of not chasing away the rest of our listeners. So thanks all.
0: good stuff and and yeah thank you for that uh recommendation jack that's definitely on my list of next dlc that i intend to tackle here very shortly so i'm glad to hear that it gets a seal of approval from you uh seeing as how you uh are definitely the expert in that genre of of all three of us uh the roguelike those in particular But um, it's game of the year time, boys. So, you know, we play a lot of video games throughout the year and we finally get a chance to kind of sit back and do what Jack adores, which is aggregate our decisions and (laughs) our ultimate uh, ratings for the titles. So, you know what? Let's just start this off. Uh, Dave, you want to kick us off? What was your number five game of the year for 2023?
1: Um. So my number five game is, you know, following within a thread of, you know, games that have like been super popular lately in the video game industry. And it is Wasteland 3, which I played on Xbox Live. Um, CRPG game. It's got isometric view. You know, you got to spend points to move the character into a position of like, you know, good good like uh, you know positioning sorry that's some really poor English but
0: awesome um,
1: <laughs> They, you want them in a favorable position anyways and then you can execute special moves but the great thing about the game was that um, because you could have such a large party that like so much of the game opens up to you as you go through it and interact it with different characters and the characters in this game are pretty memorable and so are some of the situations like just the fact that there's a clan of Americans who worship Ronald Reagan and it's basically an AI with a giant like robot you know that it lives in and it has a death ray and it just talks about freedom and communism and capitalism and all this stuff it's it's just an amazing game and you know it's like something that really kind of piqued my interest after uh, though it's different was playing Disco Elysium where I was like okay like you know Wasteland 3 seems like along the same vein at least it runs parallel with it so i want to give it a shot and I just really ended up enjoying this game um fantastic gameplay fantastic story um the multiples of endings you can get are you know probably not the most as the most current RPGs but uh pretty damn high up there so Definitely well enshrined this year for my number five spot.
0: Yeah, based on your recommendation, I actually picked up that title for my brother. So um, I'm curious to see what he thinks, and I actually intend to play through it too at some point myself. Uh, Jack, do we have a rating for day for Wasteland Three, or uh, did did we do ratings back when we he covered this one?
2: You know, I can't remember what he gave. I think it was like an eight point five, but I, I can't I can't put that into stone. I'd have to go back
1: wasteland 3 is multiplayer i just got you know i gotta say it. <laughs>
2: that's true i
0: think but it would be on a different console so i don't know if it's a cross-platform but uh
1: always well, trying to deflect <laughs>
0: <laughs> no can't do it he's, <laughs>
1: he's got, got like some... a list of excuses <laughs> yeah. <all in> <laughs> just, no, this, for, number for every perfect. possible game <laughs> divorced yeah, yeah. As as that's happening no, cry not cross-platform. I just know.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from that, Jack. Jack, what was your number five for 2023?
2: Um, I've got a legitimate four-way tie, but uh, I'll save three of them for our honorable mentions later. I chose uh, Patrick's Parabox to be the one I shine the spotlight on today because – more than just that game, this whole year for me was just a reignition of everything I love about puzzle games. Um, Talos Principle 2, Humanity, Escape Academy. I mean, not quite on the level of those, but Cocoon and Lock were both really good. That's six, like, really damn good puzzle games. And more so, even than that, like, so many of my favorite games that weren't puzzle games. Had the had the mechanics in there. Um, we'll talk more about that later. But um, of all the puzzle games I played, Patrick's Parabox was the most creative, innovative. You know, I I've never explored like the idea of recursion. Uh, I haven't played a whole lot of Sabakan uh, games, so maybe that's part of it. But goddamn, this game is so creative. Um, unlike a lot of the others I mentioned the visuals are completely like minimalist. There's very little soundtrack. There's no narrative to speak with. And yet I would still recommend this one over any of the others to basically anybody. I think I missed an opportunity to like call this as one of like the games I make us play for a pod because, um, well, one of the things Patrick's Parabox does is it's got all these insane ideas and mechanics, but it, It teaches you them through gameplay by layering on simple ideas and becoming gradually more and more complicated. You never play a tutorial. It just teaches you the game as you go. And it's just such an inviting way for any casual player to kind of jump in. Um, The last thing I will say is that um, while it is very friendly for like casual person who's not even a puzzle games, there's tons of optional challenges in this game. And that's really where like I got hooked in when I when I first finished this game, I was like, damn, that was really good. But eh, it was kind of missing that, like it factor and jumping into the post game challenges and working through them. And honestly, it took me like a month because I would just jump on for like 20 minutes here or there. I would never force it. And, I ended up 100%ing that game without using a guide, and it might be, like, my favorite, like, gamer accomplishment this year. Um, Yeah, so Patrick Parabox, tied for number five, Uh, would recommend it to any gamer out there who's into anything at least a little kind of interesting and off the beaten path. Good stuff,
0: and yeah, I'm curious to hear what those honorable mentions are because uh I know you have a number of titles that um you spoke very fondly of that sound like a similar description, so uh that one winning out uh definitely makes me curious where the other ones land. I'm gonna go ahead and get this one out of here now because I'm gonna hate myself for mentioning it, but um I gotta give number five to neon White only yeah, because I was <laughs> only because for the first two weeks that we had that game installed and we were all playing it simultaneously was some of the most fun I had playing video games all year long. Uh, My ratings tend to be very skewed based on not just, you know, my impressions of the game, but also the overall experience factor and the things that neon white does do very well are top notch. Like I, I love the fact that it's so fast paced. I love the fact that, it has the leaderboard that instantly updates. Nothing made me f- happier than, like, the first week when we were playing and I could go through and, and just edge out Jack's records and also that we woke up in the morning. He was beaten and everything. And, and of course, it all went to hell because Jack went full shit bucket and just creamed us in every category from their point <laughs> on. But I, I can't knock him because he he loved the game. And, you know, part of that whole – experience beyond just playing the game too is the fact that this game forced me to spend a lot of time doing research like i spent a lot of time watching replays of champions going through missions and doing all that to try to figure out the best routes try to figure it out and that actually got me kind of hooked for a while um you know it definitely fizzled out on me i i crap all over the plot and all that and and part of the reason i do is mainly because it just didn't need to be there Really? Like if anything, honestly, I think this would be a better title if they just carved a lot of that out and just made it the the top fast breakneck pace of going through all the different missions. But I, I digress. The biggest thing is like the fact that like there was a solid three week period where I was glued to this game and very dedicated to trying to get good at it. And when I reached the point where I realized I wasn't, <laughs> that's when I kind of punted on it and got really sour and bitter about it. But um like I said, I, I, it's only 52 weeks in the year, and if two and a half to three weeks of that were spent like really solidly enjoying the title, it's definitely deserving of being in my top five. doesn't go up beyond that 8.5 rating, though, Jack. Don't fucking dare budget <laughs> that. And well, it's but, still you know, on the
2: notorious shit list of the year, too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This
1: is perfect because my number four is Neon White and, you know, so much I do share with him, but like some of the small stuff for me was like having to do research and seeing how someone ran the shortcuts helped me to figure out shortcuts later on without help, you know, where it was like, it really became something that's like, hey, I know what I'm looking for. And when you discover that in that game, and this is what I like about the design is that when you discover that you know what to look for next you know there is a level where I was pretty proud of myself where I was like okay I know this is going to launch me off at this angle there must be a reason it's there because so far all these shortcuts there's like a reason why there's something really weird and it shoots you and then it's like if you hit the right paddles like it skips over like a very large amount part of the first levels or beginning stage of that first level and it's just it's such a good feeling you know it's so rewarding when you do come across that but you know one of the other aspects for me is that it's like an accuracy freaks kind of a game where you know the better your accuracy and even though it's quite assisted you know it's still something you have to be mindful of you know it's not going to auto target for you so uh that was just such another great aspect the fact that it lets you restart so quickly when you discover it <laughs> which It took Matt and I forever to figure out that I believe it was just hitting the touchpad, like, restarts the level, you know. So, um, no, this game definitely, uh, I felt like, um, I knew it was going to make my top ten. But, you know, as I played more and more games after it, I started to appreciate what Neon White was um, and its strengths. And it's got weaknesses. It's storytelling, you know, and a lot of its character base is pretty, like, ho-hum. I kind of feel like this could be, like, if it had good writing and a slightly better, like, artistic presentation, like, this could be a Hades-level type game, you know, if it had the writing that Hades had. Because that mechanic, I feel like, was super strong and probably one of the big reasons why it got so much accolades within the gaming industry. Uh, But, yeah, Neon White was a really strong four for me.
2: Yeah, I agree with everything you guys just said. I'm super stoked that it's going to end up on all three of our lists. Um, just the fact that you guys embraced it, you know, I mean, you, there's always kind of a certain nervousness when you uh, when you select something for your game of the year. Obviously, you want people to people to get into it, but more so than than um...
1: one of my favorite moments, Jack, and was like getting getting better scores than you but not saying anything you know and just <laughs> like having to make you like have to wait for the load screens you know to hit you know that's just another so thing much, that made
2: it was, slightly <laughs> was just so <laughs> much
1: more rewarding i'd come to matt and i'd be like he 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 i knocked jack off the top on this one it's gonna be rough for him to get <laughs> and he's and it's gonna take a while and then you know i would like wait a couple of days before i keep checking on it and eventually like i would get knocked off and <laughs>
0: The amount of times that I would turn to Lily on the couch and be like, Jack needs to go play with his fucking kids.
2: (laughs) 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 Well, (laughs) when I really reached, like, shit bucket status towards the end, I gotta admit, there was times when I would spend, because the loading screens, once you do, like, three or four, you have to wait. And there were times when I would spend, like, six or seven minutes just going through all the loading screens, like, hunting for that potential that potential sneak attack you guys would hit me with. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely reached a certain point where I just got more into the game than you guys did. This is definitely a, a, a me title. I knew that going in. Um, but like I said, that, that's why I was so nervous about it. Um, and the fact that you guys got into it, the fact that it added that extra element of, of competition between the three of us was super exciting. We did a whole pod on it and uh, I'll talk about a little, I've like one more thought I'll, I'll leave for my, uh, for when it comes up in my list. But um yeah, I just think that's super cool that uh, this game has ended up on all of our lists.
0: Yeah. Great choice overall, Jack. The one thing I'll add to it before we move on to Dave's number four here is uh, I, I did enjoy the fact that this um, really encapsulated um, kind of the skills we all bring as gamers as well. Like the fact that it has the shooting element where Dave is so much better than both of us, you know, at it. But then there's also like a puzzle component with figuring out the routes, which you dominated. And then for me, I'm just kind of that jackass master of none when it comes to gaming. So just kind of it, it really lent itself to us all kind of utilizing things we're good at in gaming and also having the competition aspect where we're kind of bringing those and and to the forefront like i said for that first week it was probably the best fun most fun i had playing a game all year so mm-hmm. that's a large reason it makes my list uh dave you you just did your number four so uh, i will go with my number four um kind of going with the numerical theme here for my next few selections but i'm giving it to resident evil 4 um this was again going back to fun factor if you use that in your ratings which a lot of the old video game magazines that i used to subscribe to did um this one was off the charts for me from open to close this game was just pure non-stop fun like this embodies to me just like a crazy zany 80s action flick in video game form and i loved every moment of it um fantastic title um the fact that it's a remake to boot um and it was still just as good as i remember the original being uh based on my experience watching my friends play through that one um you know I, this is another one that has a dlc that i'm very excited to check out uh just because of how much fun i had with this uh the only reason it swoops or it slipped down to my number four honestly outside of a few other titles impressing me a bit more is just the fact that once i was done i was kind of able to put this to rest and be content just because there's so much great resident evil content out there so it was kind of like cool i i went through the game i'm good i don't really have a desire to to spend more time in that world in this moment like i said i will eventually go back to the dlc but there's also part of me that's like, ah, maybe I'll just play through two or three or any of the other ones out there. So um, that that's the only reason it, it kind of slipped for me. Plus coming off of Village being such an amazing title as well. Um, you know, it, it's like, you know, I, I enjoy it, but unfortunately it didn't wow me as much just largely because it's been such a successful franchise. So um, it's really not a knock. I, I think that's more just uh, a mark of how successful Capcom has been of reintroducing this series to the newer generation of consoles.
2: Most fun I've had uh, in a pod all year, I think. Um, yeah. Like, like you said, the, the, the operative word is fun for this one. And being able to experience that with all th- three of you or three of us as we went through was, was really damn cool. And uh, I know I mentioned this in the pod. I made a big deal out of it. I think both me and Matt did, but this is the most fun I've ever had dying in a video game. And um, I don't know, I just think there's something cool about that The fact is when there's so many games when you die and you're frustrated, you're angry And this, that was never the case It was always me gleefully giggling as I watched one of a hundred ways that my head would get chewed off or beaten or blasted And yeah, uh, glad, uh, glad this ended up on your top five, Matt Great, great game
0: All right, Jack, you're up. Number four.
2: Uh, My number four is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, Oh, never mind. It's called Grounded. Grounded. I'm looking at my boy David over there, who um, basically we played the gamified version of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, Him and our buddy Tool Geek. Uh, Grounded is a survival crafting game, but... It's just a really damn good version of that and I don't see a whole lot of people talking about it. It's not like one of these games like Valheim or or even like like Ark or Conan that um just you see everywhere on the internet and I don't quite understand why that is. Um maybe one of the reasons is that it's not as grindy as those games, which is one of the reasons I like it, but maybe it doesn't lead to as much uh replayability for for some. Um, but basically, um, ever since I was a kid, like playing Sim Ant, I've always had this like fascination and love of being small in like this big world around you. And I think grounded the development team; they captured that better than any other game I've played. Um, this world is so damn meticulous and beautiful. I mean, the sandbox, the the pond the fire pit that I mean, I could go on and on each like little area that would be just in a normal backyard is just a vibrant and, and it's like almost its own unique biome. Like you got to deal with temperature issues and some, or, you know, everything has its own little challenge. The Oak tree has, you know, these spiders that are legitimately scary waiting to kill your ass. Um, combat's surprisingly good. Um, and I like that this world like when we jumped in it's like this enigma like we didn't know anything about it we're just in a small little area we have no idea like how how big it is the amount of crazy verticality that actually ends up coming into play as you go and slowly over the course of like i don't know 75 to 100 plus hours i'm not sure we just like mastered this backyard it became our domain and we went from we went from prey to predators and next thing you know, you know, with Ryan's, you know, um, with with Ryan's like interesting way of looking at things and solving problems, and Dave fucking just bringing just all sorts of grind to the table, and me just jumping in and <laughs> whacking things with a stick, um, we ended up just dominating this game. And uh, I don't know, had a really cool narrative. Uh, I'm surprised Dave hasn't chipped in yet, uh, but but grounded as. Grounded is badass.
1: Uh, no, no, I, I totally agree with you. It's on my list, so I'm reserving my like, ah, side of things for when that pops up, but yeah. Awesome. Glad so I guess we're up to number three now. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, My number three is Armored Core 6 Fires Rubicon uh, from Software. Man, was I I... I, man, the expectations I had in this game were super weird. Like Baldur's Gate, you can ask Jack and you, I was confident that this was going to take game of the year. Like, you know, but Armor Core 6, I was like, I'm not sure how this is going to fly. Like I played the first Armor Core and yeah, I can respect the fact that that came out on PlayStation. So I know we're talking about a different game, but how well they handled size speed customization uh the boss battle dynamics between it uh some of the side story stuff that you get uh rewarded to you for playing the game over and over again i feel like they were able to they were able to like distill down what people love about their games as far as combat goes and then totally put it in a different shell of a video game than they have with all their other ones, which are predominantly based on like swords, you know, like come on, that's the number one weapon in most of their games. So uh, you know, but here it's you know, rockets, it's cannons, it's like huge artillery, like guns on your arms, it's tank treads, it's jumping legs, it's flying builds, it's there's so many ways to tackle this stuff. And I feel like
2: God damn um, it, Dave, you're turning me on, man.
1: Yeah, this this game was filthy. Uh, The soundtrack, um, I still can't get it on Spotify, and it's killing me. Like, I I want it because I remember it just rocking so hard. So, um, yeah, I ended up loving this game. Kind of started off a little bit slow for me, but then, you know, once you get into it, you kind of start to figure out some stuff. I definitely cheesed on the build, um, but that made the game all that much more fun for me. So, yeah, Armor Core uh, number three for me.
0: Excellent points, Dave. Uh, that one comes on my list a bit later, so I have nothing to add to it. Jack, uh, you have anything you yeah, want to add
2: here? As long as I know that, I'll save it for when you talk about it, Matt. All right, and good it's to hear. Some extra gravitas.
0: So yeah, we'll put a pin in that one, Dave. But I'm glad it made your list because uh, that was my pick for the game we all for- I force all of you to play. So, and like Jack mentioned with his with neon light, um, you know there is always that bit of anxiety that you hope that everyone enjoys it because you're being forced to play through the title. So, uh, Oh, I'm I know gl- well about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm really stoked to hear that, uh, we have high praise for that one. And, and yeah, Dave, you and I, I know we've talked at length about, um, our thoughts of that game before it was released. So glad it lived up to the hype in some level. Uh, my number three. Um, I'm going to continue, like I said, with a the numerical theme for these next ah, Uh No, this is going to Dark Souls Three. Um, Witcher Three really? uh, was in consideration for sure, but Dark Souls Three was a title I played very beginning of 2023, and um, you know I was very, very interested in what my experience would be because you know I played this title after going through Elden Ring, which. Um, you know, if you listen to our best of the year, when Elden Ring won all the acclaim from all of us, you know, we all agree that that's one of the best games made in the past five years, for sure, if not all time. So, uh, to go back and play Dark Souls three, I I didn't know what I was going to expect playing through it. Um, and to be honest, there are certain components I actually enjoyed more than Elden Ring. Um, overall, you know, it, it certainly doesn't offer as much of that grand scale and or just magic element that uh Elden Ring offered, but uh it's an amazingly tight title and polished throughout and just really showcases when FromSoft is like on their game with that whole Souls experience like through and through. Uh it had two amazing DLCs attached, the edition I played through. Uh one of them is a bit of a slog to get started on, but ends on a super strong note. And the other one's one of the best DLCs I've ever played in my life. So um you know, it, it was an amazing game. And like I said, it still holds up even uh, after playing through Elden Ring and highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't given a go uh, for that reason.
2: Yeah, I jumped on this, uh, on your recommendation. I mean, I've always been interested in it, but you, well, not only recommendation, you literally gave me the disc. <laughs> and uh, I kind of had a tough time in the first, like, third of this game going from like Elden Ring where it's just so wide open and there's so many different, you know, paths you can go. Um, You know, I played Bloodborne and uh, Sekiro, but uh, this was my first actual dark souls game and man, that swamp swamp was rough. Some of the earlier bosses just seemed super gimmicky. And then like, as it kind of, for me it just really picked up steam on the second half of the game. That whole area in the end, I thought was just like so meticulously crafted. It was it was perfect. And um really, I mean, when you hear about from soft level design, that's what I think of now. There's nothing in Elden Ring or Sekiro that compares to that last like 5 to 10 hour stretch of the game. I mean, how depending on how good you are, I guess 5 to 10 hours. For me probably a little longer than others. Um, and then, yeah, Matt, like you mentioned, um, the DLCs, while I really despised um, everything except for the final boss of one of the DLCs, um, Ring City DLC was, like you said, definitely my top three DLCs ever. And, like, kind of changed the way I thought about the whole game. Because up until that point, I was like, yeah, this, this game was really good. It, it really finished strong. But having that extra like five to ten hours, whatever it was at the end of um, at the end of that game and tied for my favorite boss of all time, uh, Gale, the Slave Knight. Uh, God damn, what an amazing battle. I mean, We talked more about it at length during our pod, but just anytime, I, I just it, it, it was just like one of those things where I didn't care how many times I died to him because it was so much fun to just go through the motions of learning his patterns it just felt so good and uh yeah I, i've uh this will not end up on my top five it, it, it did sneak into my top 10 this year though
1: uh the level design on the game is something that's still like gamers talk about it's it's a testament to like how well they design games where they implement shortcuts and you know sometimes that ties into the story um i recall uh, just having a grand time playing it through with Ryan. And, you know, the that game really opened the door for me. Um, it really gave me a lot of confidence going into Monster Hunter. It gave me a lot of confidence going into Elden Ring because I know that they were all iframe mechanics. And Dark Souls 3 was my first experience with that. So in order for me to have, like, kind of, I think, been willing to play some of the better games of my, like, the last five years for me, I had to have played Dark Souls three. So,
0: well said, well said, Uh, Jack. You have a number three for us.
2: Number three is neon white. Uh, I just saved one little nugget, and that is the fact. I was thinking about this game, and you know, one of my favorite things in gaming is getting into that flow state where you're just like ultra concentrated, and this game. Was what delivered it this year, like more than anything else. Um, but it checks more than just that box. I mean, we already covered the camaraderie, the competition that I loved about playing. Um, but Dave, you touched upon the puzzle aspect of this game, something I brought up when I was talking about Parabox earlier. And I went back, like through my like all my nerdy little lists of uh, favorite games over the last several years, and I only found two games that checked like the The flow state and the puzzle aspect. And that was uh, those were Celeste and uh, Catherine, which happened to be, you know, two of my all time favorite games. And I'm not going to say Neon White ends up on the same pedestal as those two. But just to be kind of like talked about in the same uh, sentence is about as high of praise as I can give. Give a game for kind of like capturing those uh, particular um, things that I love about gaming.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I've clenched more than I did going through uh, Violet's uh, speed rush levels. Um, some of those are absolutely brutal, and you feel like such a badass when you get through them. But, man, they it takes a lot to get through a few of those. And I can only imagine the folks who ascend to the level where they're doing the uh, full hell runs or whatever they're calling. Oh,
2: called. my God. That, I, I try to, like, do that. and That's just another level of gamer that... That I'm, I'm not even really sad that I can't be that cause
1: <laughs> I, wa- I watched it and it was nuts you know just some of the stuff that they see yeah. in some of the well, we
2: stuff. watched some like world breaking runs uh, yeah. record breaking runs I should say so uh, those were definitely like next level type shit um, yeah
0: <laughs> good stuff uh, yeah excellent title um, despite all the things I love to crap on you about Jack Still not getting above an eight point five rating for me. We'll, prob- <laughs> we'll probably wither as the years go on, and you make me play other crap indie titles. So, um,
2: yeah, just wait till next year. I got, I got some. Uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking of crap indie titles, now that we've gone through our five through three selections, let's get into some honorable mentions before we do our final two, gentlemen. So, Dave, you have any? Honorable mentions that didn't quite crack the top five for you this year in 2023.
1: Yeah, I would like to uh, bring up a little indie game called Dredge. Um, you know, like I kind of thought hard about this and about where it fall on my list. It landed around seven. Uh, actually, it landed at seven. And I felt like this was a really great game. Um, I felt like it was a change of pace. From what I had been playing, I believe I just played Final Fantasy sixteen before playing Dredge, and it's a it's a chill game. It's mostly like a fishing mechanic, but you go around and explore. Um, I feel like the artwork is awesome in it. I'm a huge fan of like Lovecraftian horror, and that is strewn all about through that game. So it was something that I was really intrigued to keep progressing through because. Um, I was like, okay, cool. What's the next scary thing they're gonna come out with? And so much of it was just like mutated fish, like with really cool stuff. And you know, just the storyline that just kind of crept up. And there were some moments where it's like genuinely like, oh man, this is pretty creepy, you know. And um, so I felt like Dredge deserves some, you know, recognition for the list of, you know, for the video games I played this year. Like Jack has definitely opened up like indie you know like aspect to gaming to me and that was something i was like i should give it a shot you know and for like 25 bucks it was a great buy so good
2: deal Uh, well i mentioned um i had dark souls 3 at my number 10 to put it in perspective i played 55 games this year so um i just want to let you know that's number 10 is no slouch um my number nine was Hi-Fi Rush. Um, I would have said Resident Evil 4 was the most fun I had all year, but that's because, uh, or I, I should say the reason that's not the truth is, is that Hi-Fi Rush exists, and that game is just a joy. Beautiful and fun cell-shaded graphics, combat super entertaining. Everything about the whole game is just lighthearted, and, and um, I don't know, it, it sounds not very appealing. I mean, it's a rhythm combat game. But the rhythm section, they make it, they they let it so it's so easy. Like it's not like Beat Saber where you have to be like super on point. It's more just like have fun. Unless you're playing on the really high difficulties, you're gonna enjoy yourself. And there's some really damn cool bosses in that game. So, um, yeah, my number nine, number nine, Sci-Fi Rush. So
0: let's stick with the indie one here. You know, this. Many people would say like, you know, that this is a travesty, but I I did play through Hollow Knight this year and I did very, very much enjoy it. And I believe the aggregator could show that my rating shows as much. Um, I don't know, believe he has it pulled up, but I'm fairly certain I ranked it very highly because I did very much enjoy that game. I did play another title that's very, very similar and arguably slightly worse, but as folks fans of this podcast know i do have my rocky four theory where it states that even though rocky the original is one of the greatest movies ever made and won awards and you know obviously rocketed stallone to all his fame and fortune rocky four is just so much damn more enjoyable to watch especially if you're just alone on the couch and you got nothing going on you just flip it on you can Burn through 10 15 minutes like you're almost obligated to sit through it because it's just so easy to lose yourself into versus the more dramatic slower paced so with that being said there was a title called tales of iron that is such a ripoff of hollow knight almost in every capacity but i just enjoyed myself because it gives you a little more of the bells and whistles you get a little more abilities early on you get armor to equip And it just had the Brian Jaquise, you know, rodents in a medieval feudal system that really just did it for me. So in the interest of pissing off Jack, I'm going to give that one the slight nod, uh, only because I'm also sick of hearing so much about Hollow Knight and its (laughs) eventual sequel that I know I'm going to get sucked into having to play when it comes out in 2028. So, yeah. I, I did want to mention uh, Tales of Iron because I really enjoyed my experience with that. And it's a very short uh, run through. It, it's a dumber version of Hollow Knight. It's, it's certainly much easier to navigate, but I think that's why I enjoyed it.
2: I'm, I'm pouring myself a scotch right now so I can <laughs> just bite off the urge to start spewing obscenities at you. Uh, look, no, I never played Tales of Iron and I get nostalgia can be a big thing. And if I had you know, spent my childhood reading a bunch of books about you know a, a, a vermin infested world. I would probably want to play a video game in that uh, same same uh, space. So uh, just let's just move on because this is just like my skin my skin's crawling right now.
1: <laughs> uh, my next memorable is Spider Man Two. Um, I feel like uh, I enjoyed this game. I had a great time playing through it. It brought back all the same stuff I loved about the first game. Um, It introduced uh, one of my favorite villains in comic books, such an iconic villain uh, in Venom, and I also felt like that it did something really cool with the side story missions, and I talked about it in the podcast, but I think it's really worth talking about it now that... Uh, you always had the choice to finish those in those in this game. Um, it's not mandatory for you to get through it and see the end, but by playing them, it definitely gives you a tip off on the what's coming next, and that was something I appreciate is that your side missions like elevate the story that they like help brace and like create possibly a structure for something new. and this is something that this game did um experiencing this game on p s five was fantastic i feel like it really handles the potential that spider-man has for video games so um but the thing is it just kind of ultimately like all the fighting kind of felt the same a bit there's some you know they kind of made shortcuts that kind of simplified some stuff and maybe added a few new things but for the most part the formula is still the same just uh maybe a better version of it but yeah i put that at number six so
2: Yeah, uh, similar thoughts. The combat definitely was a little stale for me in this one. But I thought they did a good job modifying the traversal mechanics just enough uh, to keep that entertaining. The web wings are really kind of a badass addition. And there was like four or five missions in Spider-Man 2 that were just so exciting. Um, Anything to do with the lizard either getting chased by, stalked by, or chasing wow what a rush um unfortunately i mean those were like 20 minutes out of a 40 hour game but um the highlights of spider-man 2 were definitely up there with like the best kind of stuff i did this year um and i like that game a lot uh for my uh well i mentioned i I, i've got a four-way tie at number five uh one of those was resident evil 4 remake we've already talked about that uh but humanity uh is a puzzle game um I've heard it likened to uh, a 3D version of Lemmings. I've never played that game. But I have played a lot of Humanity this year. I 100%ed it. And it is absolutely gorgeous. Really well-designed puzzles for the most part. Um, Once again, you have optional puzzles that are a little bit more interesting, a little bit more challenging. And I just love the way that this game transitions from like a more like basic puzzle game kind of sticking to like push the blocks hit the levers those kind of just stale mechanics and just to slowly introduce these rts mechanics where you're duking it out with this other i think they're called the others these other lines of people and visual splendor i mean of just hundreds of people like fighting over positioning mindlessly just doing exactly what i told them to do you can arm them with like lightsabers and guns and uh honestly this this game i was pretty excited about it when i read about it and it it surpassed my expectations in a weaker year this would absolutely be in my you know uh maybe even like my top three or four uh but humanity was badass, and if you've got the chance to get it for free, which I think many did at least at one point uh this is a this is a no brainer yeah, it's definitely on my list of games
0: I intend to play through in twenty twenty four so uh glad to hear that that highly acclaimed by you jack um it takes two um i put on my just outside of top five. This is an amazing, innovative title, probably one of the more innovative games I've played overall, just in terms of never really settling into just one style of gameplay. Like every time you feel like you're like, okay, this is just going to be like this for now, it it switches on you. And it's a blast. I know you guys talked at length because you played through it together. Um, I played it I'm much later to the party, but I get to play through it with the wife. And, um, you know, quite frankly, she's enjoying it. I've enjoyed it. Uh, We've stalled out a bit on completing it. Um, So it's still uh, to be determined my final rating for the game, but I've enjoyed every component of it thus far. Um, It just doesn't quite crack my top five for personal games. Um, And I think part of that is just because the amount of immersion, um, you know, it is a couch co-op title that, or, you know, playing online together. So um, in that sense, it's, it's, not a hundred percent the titles I'm used to immersing myself into, but I, I'm enjoying the hell out of it and it definitely There's too
1: up. many emotions in it, that's the problem.
0: Like that that's
1: the real issue, Matt. Let's get into a little therapy here. Way too many emotions for you to handle, I know.
2: <laughs> Very possible. Matt, I I think it takes two story is up there with Neon Whites for most garbage. <laughs> I, and i really like the story of um that developer uh the lead developer's first two games so i just think it's so bizarre that uh, this one just goes off the rails for me at least i think i think dave actually enjoyed it but
0: <laughs> no it, it's plotline, line it's it's trash but I, again it it does a good job where it just moves you through it versus neil white it's Literally two cardboard cutouts just (laughs) bantering back and
2: forth. Yeah, you're right. Neon Neon Lights was worse. I take it back. Neon Lights is definitely worse. Uh, Well, shit. I should mention that uh, It Takes Two was number two on my list uh, for 2021 and number one for Dave. So a lot of love for that game on this pod. Um, Yeah. Uh,
0: Dave, you have any other honorable mention titles?
1: yeah escape academy um great game i played with jack uh i would probably have that at number eight um definitely one of those games where it it just you know jack can figure out some stuff a lot quicker than i can and there's some things i can see a lot faster than jack and i think it just complements like two people you know that can like work in that manner I think we just got lucky that that's how like it kind of works for us but yeah that game was immense fun uh it's something I played couch co-op with Jack so we've always been in the same room been always been able to like speak with each other and kind of be like okay what are we missing or hey this is how this works you know so uh we just recently played an expansion for it and we just got our asses whooped by it <laughs> um i don't know somewhere like in there they decided that like the hard stuff was actually medium so it definitely i don't want to feel like it was a lead on but yeah we definitely got you the one two punch was there,
2: there was yeah. a few factors at work on that one um, i mean
1: we're a little bit inebriated but yeah um, it was late it was pretty late
2: it pitted us against each other which which threw us through a loop yeah uh yeah. Escape Academy was my number 12 game of the year, but I got to say if I put more emphasis on like uh quality over quantity, it would be a lot higher. I just, we probably got maybe like four to six hours out of this one. And um, I honestly think pound for pound, this might be the most fun I had all year. Uh, however brief it was whenever me and Dave sat down and played this, we just, we were totally invested in trying to, and trying to crack these. We you know, we'd, we'd celebrate together. we get all excited when we beat a level, be high-fiving and shit. Um, and, you know, it, it's definitely something special when you have a couch co-op game. So once every three or four months when Dave comes by my spot, that would be, like, one of the things we did. Um, yeah, Skip Academy, really damn good couch co-op if, if you have somebody who you're uh, both, both patient with and... Um, On the same kind of, you know, like mental. (laughs) Me and Dave are both idiots, so it works perfect.
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, I would have to throw it out there. Um, You know, it may spoil some of the rest of my list, but uh, Witcher 3, um, you know, didn't quite crack the top five, but I can't talk about my year of 2023 of gaming without mentioning this one. Uh, Jack, you played through 55 titles. I got through 31 this year. Would have gotten through a lot more if Dave hadn't chosen Witcher 3 to be the game we all had to slog through. <laughs> and choosing the edition that comes with two bulky DLCs to boot. And since I'm cheap as all get out, I had to sort through them all. So um, it, it's amazing. I mean, it's an amazing title. There's It has its, its shortcomings that are largely due to the fact that it's an older title. And, you know, we've talked about those at length in different recordings, so I won't waste our time uh, reiterating them. But, you know, I'm definitely a better gamer for having experienced this one, I'll say. And I have vastly more appreciation for why it's so highly heralded by the folks who really enjoy this one. So I'm really glad you forced me to play through it, uh, even though it
2: occupied a great deal of my time this year.
1: The wind's howling.
2: When I was uh, playing Final Fantasy 16 this week, and I only gave it about six or seven hours, um, I instantly recognized it as a what I call a laundry game, and that's a game I play while I fold my laundry because there's so many cutscenes, and that's a genre I created in my head earlier in this year when I was playing The Witcher Three. <laughs> so I want to credit Dave with not only bringing uh, one of the uh, most highly regarded games ever made into our lives but but more important than that we're creating a new sub-genre in my head called the laundry the laundry genre is that
1: why you're not playing baldur's gate with me you're not doing laundry
2: oh yeah no (laughs) baldur's gate is not a laundry that like you (laughs) have to be active in that shit it takes forever that's a that's a um do you have four hours to do a turn-based combat genre and i mean like one turn-based combat (laughs)
0: Yeah, there, there's definitely. I love that, by the way, and I think that we need to instantly start classifying titles within this this <laughs> subsect because, because <laughs> definitely. When I think back in my experience with some of the Mass Effect games, that's kind of in the same vein, but. um but what I will say is what, one thing CD Projekt Red is very good about is you do have the ability to speed through a lot of those dialogue sessions, which was largely how I managed to get through a lot of that DLC. I know that they spend a ton of money on the you know, voice actors and mocap and all that to for, have this amazing presentation, but sometimes i don't get time for that man i I got shit to do i got bills to pay i can't be sitting here folding laundry for hours on end watching carol pontificate about you know why this wine is better because it was made by elves and this mountain and what have you but um no it, it like i said it they definitely like the strong point of the witcher is certainly you know getting you to buy into that world and they do an amazing job with that um you know even for me not a huge fan of that medieval type setting if rodents aren't involved so
1: and the main character is just like fucking awesome too like he's just one of those characters where it's like cool like i don't really have to worry about whatever i'm facing because you know Geralt's a badass so
2: well, in all seriousness, unlike Final Fantasy sixteen, I did end up um, really enjoying my time with Witcher 3. I think it's like my number 14 or 15 game of the year. Not quite sure, but uh, yeah, really damn good. Glad they pushed me to do something that I would never have uh, done on my own.
1: The game that you spent the most time on, probably each of you, is also <laughs> like not even cracking the top 10. I did well.
2: i don't regret my time
1: Dave. (laughs) good i'm glad i'm glad that you guys don't hate it enough uh, for it to not at least be mentioned on this so
0: well like i said i used to curse jack's name when i'd be losing in neon white constantly and and i'd certainly curse your name dave when it would just be hours upon hours of doing my pirouettes with my sword fighting (laughs) off all these worthless demons that like die to one hit just because so uh, how do you like that steel (laughs) yeah and then i go to talk to you about the title hoping that like there'd be some cool thing you'd be like oh yeah no game really opens up around the hour 40 mark it's like (laughs) oh good can't wait uh any other honorable mention titles you boys want to throw out there before we move on to our final two selections each
2: Uh, i got my final uh tied for fifth uh, talus principle two Sometimes you just want to play the hits. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time, the original. This one didn't have quite like the same impact, but honestly, the like puzzle quality, really damn good. Um, basically, just, you know, like I said, play the hits. Every, everything I wanted, I got to do. I just go go through this world, jump into a little enclosed area, solve some puzzles. Um, it helps that one of the characters at one point uh, just... In, it, with high intensity, defends John Carpenter and brings up Big Trouble in Little China as like a seminal uh, human success, uh, as like an accomplishment of the human race. Um, and so, you know, if, if you want to get me on your side, all you got to do is say great things about Big Trouble in Little China and, and have me solve puzzles before and afterwards. Um, I don't know. Tell us, Principle Two it was badass. It's beautiful. Um, a lot of people I've read online say it's a little too easy. Well, I think the DLC will be uh, a welcome addition. And yeah, it definitely had some some challenge that I'm looking forward to.
0: Dave, you have any other uh, honorable mentions? No, all right. I think I, I mentioned them all. Good deal. I'll rattle off a few and then we can get back to our main topic at hand here. Um, I did very much enjoy Hollow Knight Jack. it's a better game than tales of iron (laughs) you
2: asshole (laughs) um
0: no the setting on that game is just magical um there's another game that i'm about to talk about that is the only other one that i think has touched on just that melancholy feeling which is such a wondrous thing to compound Mm -hmm. with playing a fun video game like it actually can really put you through the emotional ringer without having to do a lot. So um, it, it's I appreciate subtlety sometimes in gaming, which is funny at times when you look at some of our favorite titles. But um, in this case, like, I think that's such a strength for it. That setting is just magic. Um, you know, I also have to give credit. Doom Eternal is a very fun game. Um, and I actually would recommend this one to you, Jack, because actually the floaty nature of the jumping is the closest thing I've experienced in neon white of any other games out there. So if you are looking for an exploration type title with some intense gun action involved, it is a very fun game. I've complained at end about them firing Mick Gordon halfway through the production and how the impact it had on kind of the tone of the game. So I can't rank it in my top five, but I definitely enjoyed that one and it, it deserves some accolade.
2: Eternal's on my list, and I do have it in my library, thanks to like PlayStation Plus or something. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely jump on that sometime this year, I would guess.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you'll get into it as much as I do because it is pretty intense some of the the FPS components of it, but when it comes to the actual exploration component, like it it does handle very similar to Neon White um, in terms of the how you navigate and find all the secrets and what have you. And uh, it's also designed to in a way that I don't recall this being the case as much in the first one. But once you know all that, once the enemies are cleared, they're cleared. So that literally just becomes a navigate until you find the secrets kind of thing. So Hmm. it's almost like a puzzle, like board platforming game in that regard, where you don't have to worry about being shot by a billion things all at once while you're trying to find all these secrets scattered throughout the map. So. Um, and real quick, uh, Ace Combat 7 was a title that I played that, um, even though it's very dated and very Japanese at times, um, definitely has some elements that, you know, uh, Dave said it best when you play through it in VR, there's just those moments where you just kind of want to stand up and salute like you're in the Top Gun, (laughs) like you're in Top Gun (laughs) or something, because it just, like you know captures like everything you grew up like fantasizing about when you watched like those movies. So, um, you know, I have to have to get a credit in that regard. I just had a blast like playing through it. Um, so I, I do want to acknowledge that it was one of my favorite titles of the year. All right. Well, now we've got the honorable mentions out of the way down to the top two, Dave, you want to start us off with your number two selection for 2023.
1: Where's everybody going? Bingo, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> dude. Uh, this game, I getting through the first section, and this is something that you know I was mindful about. I I was like, wow, this is kind of like how Seven starts. You know, there's very strong similarities. Like you're running through a town, trying to get you know some sort of sense of like what the fuck's happening right now and um, that line right there at the end after this church bell goes off and everyone stops like counting you and you all just kind of turn into zombies and go into the church. And Leon's just standing there and he goes, where's everyone going? Bingo? I knew I was going to love this game because here's the thing. Even though Resident Evil 2 is a horror game, I feel like this is an action-adventure game within a horror-themed like, kind of setting. I don't feel like there's anything too scary like you know I would say village had way more horror effects to it you know the whole purpose was you need to slink around you need to be quiet you know you need to watch out for stuff like Resident Evil 4 is just straight up you got a knife that thing is going to do 75% of the killing for you you have a gun and you got Leon probably one of the most cocky individuals I've ever like come across in a video game and that's being a Geralt lover you know, from Witcher 3. And I was just amazed by the level design in this game, like the set pieces that they had. I love the fact that you go past this like arena and you're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. And you can hear like a huge monster somewhere and you know, you're going to fight it, you know, but when is it going to fight? And it's only until you got to backtrack is when this kicks off. But the best part is, Yet an option to save a dog within this game, and if you save it, this thing comes and helps out in this fight. And you know, it was just like one of those moments where I was like, "God, ah, this is so awesome!" And you know, like Leon taking a shot at a bad guy for monologuing too long. You know, it's just so I think self-aware about where Resident Evil was as a game at that point, and for them to remake it, clean it up and allow people to experience it in a more modern like emphasis as far as mechanics and graphics go like i was i feel like truly lucky to have played this because i don't think i would have played it if you know jack wasn't like hey we should check this game out he made it easy for me to play so i definitely appreciate that uh resident evil 4 remake makes my number 2 slot mostly because leon is just such a badass the game is so much fun to play um i haven't gone back to it i i know i noticed that you mentioned that earlier but to me that didn't that didn't like change how much fun i had playing through this game you know like for the most part whenever i hopped on i was like that's a shame i only got x amount of time really to enjoy this because you know i got commitments the next day so number two
0: Yeah, and for those of you keeping track at home, an aggregator can back me up on this, but I believe Resident Evil 4 and Neon White are the uh, two titles thus far that have made all of our lists for top five games of the year. So highly, highly recommend you go out and play those if you haven't had a chance to yet. So I will move on to my number two, since uh, we already covered Resident Evil for each of us, because we all enjoyed it so much. Uh, My number two for 2023 is Armored Core 6. Uh, Jack, I mentioned this before, talking about Hollow Knight, but just something about that melancholy nature of the game, where (laughs) even though there's such a, like, darkness going on, like, it, it just doesn't, like... It, it conveys it in a way where you just kind of feel it because of everything. Like everything's like muted. Everything is like subtle. Like it doesn't hammer home, like, Oh, it's the end of the world or, Oh, this it's you just kind of experience this kind of dull sensation that actually I feel like moves you almost more in a way. Uh, and that to me was Armored Core six. Like it's such a awesome title to me going through and playing through the, the, the first time and being really really content with the experience and honestly i just on a whim fired up a second go around just to see what would happen and then getting through a few missions and then all of a sudden all these new options opening up and all this new aspects of the story becoming apparent and all these new components of like different opinions of characters emerging like it it's a really cool experience um and it takes you know a lot of undertaking for folks to go through it and I'm really, really glad that they released it when they did, knowing that they had the strength of Elden Ring to kind of prop this one up a bit more, because it is an amazing title. Um, it was an amazing year for games, so unfortunately it didn't make, you know, the official Game of the Year awards, but um, I think in most years this one would, just with the nature of the story, the tightness of the combat. That multiplayer for the brief session we all played together, even though it's a Garbage ass system for matchmaking was some of the most fun when we got paired up, and especially when we were on the same team. Like, if yeah. that actually was streamlined, uh, this would be probably one of my favorite. This would be my favorite title of the year.
2: I, I do know that they've introduced, uh, like more advanced mac- matchmaking, um, since, since that time. Um, yeah, dude, Armored Core 6, it just it feels like nothing else I've played. Uh, the combat is so damn fun so damn satisfying um it's so fast it just rips and um yeah i'm super stoked that from soft just keeps putting out bangers
1: it you know there's there's moments in games where it sends it gives me goosebumps you know like there those there's some games and this was one of those games and it was that moment where you're taking on i believe it's the Iceworm is it that boss and you have to set it up and you're setting up rusty to like take this huge shot and he gets his window and he just drops this line where you know it's like they're talking about the countdown coming down and he's like i won't miss and just like you know he like lands this perfect shot and it's like he's a sniper from like 100 miles away and it's just like i won't miss and it, you know that moment hit and i was just like whoa like i get this like felt like goosebumps all over my skin and i was like that's just one of those badass moments you know that comes out of fiction where you're just like oh this
2: character is so dope this is audio only so like our listeners can't see that but as soon as dave like brought up started to talk about that scene me and matt just instantly started shaking our heads vigorously with big dumb grins on her face it's uh,
1: just such a cool moment perfect. you know it lives rent free in my head you know it's just mm-hmm. like one of those ones where it's like oh uh,
2: and it, yeah. it's not the only battle, oh, man. When you when you duke it out against the uh, the Red Guns for that final battle, and uh, oh man, it's been some months since I played. But the 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 leader of the Red Guns is just like trying oh, Michigan, to up, right? Michigan's trying to amp up his troops, and like, oh it's there's just like four or five moments in that game that just hit on a narrative level, which is so weird because it starts off so awkward and. It's like anybody who doesn't give this game a chance to breathe into what it is is really missing out. But I can't say I blame them because it's it's so weird. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead. Dave.
1: No, go ahead, Matt.
0: No, I was just going to say what's so remarkable about that is we're talking about these narrative moments with characters. You they never show their face. Mm-hmm. You never see any gestures or anything like it's literally just a call sign in a voiceover. And it's not like they got some like, you know, top tier Hollywood actors to do these voiceovers. These are just, you know, classic, you know, voice actors conveying these lines in a way that just like makes you 100 percent buy into it. Like you play through that ice mission, war mission three times if you want to get the true ending of this game. And it's still cool. Every single time, like (laughs) normally that would be a mission that would you would consider to be like the slog. That's like, oh man, this is has this long narrative section that I can't skip, and uh, blah blah. It's like no, every single time it's like this board's gonna be so fucking cool, (laughs) and it is every single time.
1: And you know, this is spoiler territory, but I I haven't gotten it, but I wanted to do the research on it because I felt like I spent my time playing the game and I was ready to move on, but. Um, the third ending, uh, there's an option to where you release, like, the the coral, right? I believe that's what it is. And you find out that that's a bad thing. But the first time you play through that game and you I mean, kind of, like, betray Airy or it's Air, ambiguous. Yeah, you know, it's like that. I, I feel like it's one of those games where the the ending that I think kind of, like, if you go against Air is like the good ending even though it writes you off as like a bad ending you know it's like the fire's a raven and but you know it's like there's also a possibility that that was the right thing like the best possible option to do and both of those are like one of those like which one's the lesser evil so that that's just something i appreciated about what from software did with it is that they always have this theme of like shit's gonna die shit's gonna burn down it's gonna get reborn or hey, you don't know if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing until usually hindsight kicks in. So I don't know. Great game. Um I'm glad Great that game. it's at two and it's at my number three for a reason. So
0: yeah, just outside of the top five for Jack. So um not quite in the fully doesn't get the full endorsement, but but may Arm- as well. I mean armored core.
2: Uh, I had a tough time deciding whether to put uh, Dark Souls three or that in my 10 spot. And um, uh, this was just a really strong year. Uh, I've mentioned that, like, over the course of the year, how many amazing games I've played this year. So many things that could have been in my top five in 2021. Like, eight games would have been in my top five. So, anyway, um, yeah. Um, Is it my turn? Yes, sir. Uh, My number two game is Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I know I'm the only one on this pod that played this game, but um, it's pretty much dominated my gaming for a solid month. My history with this series is pretty limited. Uh, Breath of the Wild pretty much kind of changed the way I looked at open world games uh, several years ago. And just the way I looked at exploring. Well, I've heard a lot of like people pushing back on tears of the kingdom. And I think it's the reason why, um, you know, Boulder's gate three was able to kind of edge it out at the game awards is because in a lot of ways, this is a carbon copy of the world of breath of the wild. And I get that it, even for me, it doesn't have that same feeling of wonder. It doesn't hit those same heights of like just open mouth. Like, wow, how did they do this that I felt with breath of the wild, but objectively This is a better game, and it starts with the abilities they give you, which basically transform the whole world into this giant puzzle sandbox. Everywhere you go, you're trying to like determine the most efficient, the most creative, the most interesting way to look off in the distance and say, like, how can I get to that? The verticality of the game, uh, which is something that was somewhat limited in Breath of the Wild it is a key component of this. You start off on these magical islands and in the first like opening hours of the game, after they give you all these incredibly cool powers that let you manipulate every aspect of this world, you're diving down out of the sky. And it's just, it's just a feeling of like when you're, when you're a kid playing games and you're just like, Whoa, how did they do this? That's kind of the feeling that this game gave me throughout. Um, Beyond like how traversal and all the different ways you can kind of interact with this world, how exciting it is, um, there's a narrative in this game that I thought was really damn impressive. I like the way that they introduce things a lot more than I did in Breath of the Wild. Uh, tracking down the tears was really exciting. Um, but there's also two moments that I'm not gonna spoil here because you know if anybody's listening, they are big time spoilers. but probably my two favorite uh, gaming moments of the year as far as like uh, narrative type stuff was was in this game, both to do with um, Zelda. And um, man, I, I'll never forget the first time I got into one of those sky towers that like so closely resembles like the far cry towers you got to climb. But instead of like doing this boring climb up this far cry tower to like unlock the map around you, it blasts you up hundreds of yards into the air and then instead of like you know just this map getting uncovered, you're you're looking around and you're just seeing this world around you and however many dozens of times I did that throughout the game, it never got old. It, uh, I don't know I just I think this game is amazing um, and while it doesn't quite you know hit the heights, or creative like originality that breath of the wild did um it is absolutely worthy of my number two game of the year and i hope i uh you know surprised you i'm I'm curious if you guys thought it was gonna be my number one uh...
1: i i personally thought it was gonna be a number one but i got a question like how as an outside observer the physics that they introduced into this game seem so much more crazier than the physics that they had in the first game um and you're saying like that you feel like it's not as big a deal as i think it might be as an outside observer who hasn't played the game did you feel like the new like physics stuff was implemented easily like it was something where uh if you wanted to put the time in to make this like giant mech that fucking like throws fireballs and or like some flying helicopter that shoots targeting missiles. Like some of the videos i seen like that could have been something you would have done if you'd have been interested in it.
2: Yeah. And absolutely. But um I'm probably not the best person to speak on that. Cause I mean, you could jump onto YouTube and find out, you know, hundreds.
1: Well, I'm asking your thousands. opinion. Like, was that something easy for you? you know easy
2: no and it wasn't something i was particularly interested in as far as like building complex Mm -hmm. contraptions um where my interest lied with those physics and the new abilities they give you is just how many different ways you can tackle problem solving and the fact that the problem solving wasn't like going into a shrine like in breath of the wild Uh, i mean there are shrines in this world but that the problem solving was actually just built into how do I explore this world made the exploration just so much more exciting and interesting to me. Um, you know, anywhere, everywhere you go, it was, it was so many different possibilities. And, um, I mean, the combat was really damn cool too. The way you could fuse, um, items onto each other. Um, and I did make contraptions, Dave, but they weren't like complex. It was, it was very, um, it was just how, how do I efficiently tackle this obstacle in my path?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when we discussed your playthrough of this one a while back, and I still believe it, that some of those physics and gameplay elements are probably going to influence a lot of future games that come out, uh, based on how revolutionary they are. And, um, you know, it, it sounds like that, Based on what you're describing, I, I think I'm going to be right on that prediction, uh, even though it's, you know, I haven't played the title myself. Um, Jack, I believe you gave this one a 10 out of 10, so that means you have another title that made 10 out of 10, correct? That is
2: your number one? Yeah, you know, um, when I finished Tears of the Kingdom, I had to ask myself if it was my my game of the year, and it was a resounding No uh i got one that is um well i'll get into it
0: well we're on that horizon but just checking make got keep the aggregator honest here because uh i know that you you when you gave that 10 you were very very clear that that may be your 110 for the season
2: uh well this other game i never gave a rating and i'll explain why in a little bit
1: good deal. nights at freddy's <laughs> 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 didn't see that coming did you <laughs> All right, boys.
0: Well, here we are. Number one game for 2023. Dave, you want to start us off, get it out there? Put the like, so the, the,
1: this one is going to be odd. I've been struggling with this so hard, and Jack pretty much, I felt like, kind of gave me the blessing to do this. But I, I have two games at my number one. I have Grounded, and I have Baldur's Gate 3. And I feel like I have a genuine reason for why both of these games are my number one. One, grounded as a multiplayer experience, was probably some of the most fun I've ever had in a very long time. Um, I think with the fourth friend, it would have just been all that much more better. And one of the reasons I think that allowed this to be high up for me was that this game has a mechanic where it's a shared save file so ryan could go in at any time without my permission i can jump in jack can jump in and this is not something that i've been through in a long time not since like probably 2017 2018 when i was playing battlefield a lot was i would get on and then one of my friends would be in the game you know or i'd be playing the game solo and then maybe five or ten minutes after booting this up someone would pop on and It was one of those situations, and Jack kind of made fun of, you know, my propensity for grinding, but, you know, for me, being in there alone allowed me to, like, figure out some stuff that, you know, I may not have had the time to do, because once all three of us got together, it usually stopped becoming, like, building resource gathering, and it started becoming exploring stuff. Jack's so focused on that, that, you know, it ends up becoming, like, one of the things that we do, which is fine because it keeps the pace going, Um, which is another reason why I love this game is, like, Ryan was very good at designing stuff, you know, kind of setting stuff up. I was more than happy to give us, like, bountifuls of resources so it could be easy to be done, and like I said, it gave me time to explore stuff, it gave me time to figure out how to be better at the game, and I just... You know, Honey I Shark the Kids is one of those iconic movies for me. So, like this setting was something that just hit really hard in the nostalgia scene. Uh, I felt like Obsidian did such a good job on the world building. I felt like every time I hopped in, there's always some cool place to discover whether or not it was an overturned grill or running up the handle of a shovel to like find another secret area. Like the base building in this is insane. I can't stress how insane this is like they have such small detailed mechanics as like lighting you know different forms of lighting so you can create moods uh, you've got a zipline structure that you can like hmm. spread out all across the land um,
2: ziplines oh, like, so good
1: you can set up your base and you know it allows for easier resource gathering so like I feel like this game is something that gives back as much as you want to put in and And the fact that it was multiplayer for me was just such an awesome experience. There's been times where, like, Jack and I are down and Ryan's, like, the only way we're getting through this, you know, boss fight. And, you know, there's been times where, you know, all three of us have had that opportunity to be, like, shining and to save the moment. And, you know, it was just so much fun. And I felt like it was one of those games where... I'd come home tired from work, but I was way more interested in seeing if like the other guys were on, if we can get at least two or three hours in, you know? And I felt like that was something, Jack, I felt like that was one of those situations where like you were, I think sacrificing a little bit to be present for that game, you know? So um, yeah, yeah, most definitely.
2: I mean, it was so good that I, you know,
1: yeah, it was hard to, and the thing is, we started this game at the beginning of this year, like what a, you know, introduction into 2023 after having played God of Ragnarok, you know, all of a sudden I'm jumping the Grounded with Jack and Ryan. Having an amazing time at it. Um, just a lot of good moments. But having just finished Baldur's Gate 3, there is a reason why it's a game of the year. Um, the Dude, there's like two moments where I almost cried. There's a moment, there's a goosebump moment where I probably watched the clip about 30 times now. Not so much in my game, but just looking it up on YouTube and just how impressed I am with the voice acting, with the production, the soundtrack. I've been having that on blast lately just because it's like when I really sat down and listened to it, I was like, God, oh, the soundtrack is so good. And it just kind of like changes up the way some video game music sound. It, it, it truly is, I think, a next level soundtrack. And just the way that you can handle certain situations in the game, like the physics engine. You know, for Baldur's Gate 3 is insane, Matt. uh, Dude, one of the bosses, I turned him into a sheep. And because he was a sheep, he was a lot lighter. So I just had my barbarian pick up the sheep and, like, throw it over the edge. That was, like, the boss fight right there. You know, so I could have really, like, drugged this out, try to, like, figure out some way to smash everything. But I was like, hey, it's just easy enough to turn something into a sheep. And just throw it over the edge, you know, like a lot less, you know, difficulty or just party compositions and storylines. And, you know, this is one of those games where, you know, I think it's better multiplayer. Jack and I have played a couple of sessions on a uh, campaign and it's been fucking hilarious. He's he's this paladin named Le Jacques. (laughs) And he looks like this French crusader, but he kind of looks like Dan. And, you know, there's this moment where I was like, I, we sped through our character, you know, making process just to get into the game. And when I had some downtime, I kind of dressed my guy up. And then I asked Jack, I was like, hey, when you're out of the game, do you want me to kind of make Le Jacques like a little bit kind of like tuned up? And he's like, Dan Le (laughs) is good looking enough. And, dude, just, we ended up, like, laughing so hard that we missed, like, the cutscene that we were going through and all this stuff. And um, I sent you guys this cool clip, you know, and this is something I love about the game is, like, if you have a second player and this character is in the camp and second player is not logged in, you know, I went up and talked, tried to initiate a conversation. There's this cutscene. And Lorian thought about this. Someone is like, what happens if you try to talk to an absentee player? And it just creates this cutscene where it's like, what once was a, uh, you know, familiar friend doesn't seem to be all there right now. And just the look on Jack's character's face, Le Jacques, it's just amazing. It's up to 2.4k views right now on YouTube. And I think it's because it's just one of those ones that combines humor with like, you know, no one's posted a video. It's like, what happens when the rest of your party is not logged in? Like, how do you interact with them? That kind of stuff. And there's so many of these videos where it's just like, what, how something can be so drastically different just based on what class you're playing. So, um, <clears throat> but both of these games encapsulate something: one, the ability to play with your friends and have a really good time in this huge world that allows you to uh, flex your imagination and your intelligence. You know, and that's something I think that. You, You know, one of my favorite things about gaming is playing with other people that you enjoy gaming with and then having the freedom to, like, try different stuff within this game. Like, for example, in Baldur's Gate 3, you can pick up these candles and you're like, kind of like Witcher, you know, where it's like, it's just candles, whatever, you're going to sell them. I found out that you can, like, literally put it down in front of your character and then you can dip your sword into the candle and it gives it a flaming buff. You know, it's and it's just like those kind of small things that makes this game like extremely uh replayable. And it's you know a game I'm going to get a platinum on because I'm going to go for it. And you and, know, and just, there's
2: thousands of those interactions, I mean, that's just like one, yeah, one of so many possibilities. So
1: I know it's kind of weird. Um, wasn't sure if I should do it, but you know, I was like, hey, I felt a lot better being like, I feel like both of these games deserve my number one spot for this year because they're just so big and the fact that they bookended this year for me was amazing because i felt like i played more better games and i played poor ones i had that kind of stretch of diablo 4 and final fantasy 16 but outside of that like this whole year has just been exciting it's been really fulfilling um i'm really glad glad to be a gamer this year to be honest you know
2: yeah Well, I'll save my thoughts on Boulder's Gate, and I played quite a bit of that game, but I am... We need to play more, bro.
1: (laughs) Tonight. We're going to play some
2: tonight. I'm expecting us to do a full pod on this one, and it'll probably be four hours long of, you know, typically it's Dave falling asleep midway through the pod, but it's definitely going to be me and Matt this time around. (laughs) Uh, But I'll share share my thoughts, uh, my thoughts then.
0: Yeah, I'll be the one falling asleep, Jack, because I'll be the only one who hasn't played through it. So it'll be the I'll two of you I'll chattering you, about how great it is. And I'll just be like, uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm yeah. showing up with
1: a. You're going to find a copy of Baldur's Gate 3 in your bag, bro. Just
0: like
1: <laughs> <laughs> even Monster Hunter. You already I'm,
0: robbed me of 120 hours of <laughs> the Witcher. I don't. <laughs> Dave, oh,
1: Dave,
2: you uh, should call Baldur's Gate 3 as your game to play for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> He's already oh, got yeah, Monster because... Hunter peg for that one. So. No,
1: that's 2025, oh, that's really bro. Time. That's
2: oh,
0: 2025. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> so I'm gonna play like four games in 2025 between that and Grand Theft Auto <laughs> Six. Like...
1: Our top our year end top ten list is gonna be a shuffle of the same like
0: yeah. two or three games. Except for Jack, who will have like twenty indie games that nobody's ever heard of, to, to actually have a full list. But. Um
1: the the thing I'm most excited about with Baldur's Gate three, and this is unfortunate with Grounded, is that Grounded is a Microsoft exclusive, so there's no cross platforming on it. I mean, obviously PC with Xbox Live and you know an Xbox with uh, a live account can play with each other. That's fine. It's been done. It works great. Baldur's Gate 3 though is uh it's been said by Lorien that they're gonna make it cross-platform and then that that's gonna give me an opportunity, I think, to play with a lot of other people. And I feel like this is one of those games where it's like you just run through so many different iterations of it. So
0: Good stuff. Well, Dave, I'm glad uh, you are on a high note with your two selections for number one there, because I'm about to knock you down a peg with my selection for number oh,
1: one. Baldur's Gate, 9-9. 9-9. right. Thanks,
0: Dave. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Gabe. All right um, so my number one title, um, you know, there's a bit of recency <laughs> bias here. And I'm going to tell you right now that this title, I'm going to give an 8.5, Jack, and it's still going to be my number one game. And that is Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> I'm taking off a half a point because or it still crashes Ooh! every now and then. Infidel. And I also take <laughs> a off a full point because it took three years to actually get the full game completed to what it is. But actually playing the game that it is now, it delivers on so many fronts of what I was hoping for for that eight plus years of the buildup. I mean, this is probably the most charismatic video game I've ever played through in recent memory. And we played through some very, very out there titles. Uh, the combat is see- ever so much fun, despite being so, so easy. How like much, they
1: pay, so- you, How much <laughs> they pay you, <laughs> Matt?
0: No, it, there's countless times where you're just like, find yourself like engaging in combat for the fun of it, even though it's, you know, so, a similar experience with Witcher 3, where you like reach a point where you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I just want to go from point A to point B. With this, like, you're almost going out of your way to experience combat because it's so much fun, so many different options. The new different ways to level up your character encourage you to try out different weapons constantly, different methods of fighting. And you know what? The plot, actually, when it's executed the way it was meant to be delivered, is so, so much better. Like, I can't emphasize like how bad this one was when Dave and I first played through it. And when I listened through our old pod together, like it really showed like how much like hope we had for this one and how much we could tell that there was just enough to keep us going, even though it was a broken game, but playing through it now with the city actually populated, seeing how the map is designed to where basically every single landmark you see throughout the game, you end up experiencing every major character you that is mentioned in passing you end up crossing paths with at some point the the johnny silverhand character who's janky as all hell in the edition that dave and i played through seeing him now like it's more conveyed that he is supposed to be kind of this jerk off where like half the time you you can tell he's lying to you half the time you can tell it's like him just kind of like making stuff up to sound like a tough guy like there's so much of that narrative moment that just like sinks in I I mean, like I said, it's an 8.5, but the way I look at it is, like, when I played Shadowrun, the Super Nintendo, that was an 8.5 title as well. It wasn't perfect by any means. It definitely was ugly at times. It definitely didn't have all its charm. But the amount of immersion into a niche kind of um, category of gaming that it provided me was just provides so much outside of that. And that's with this, too. It's the fact that this game came out four years ago now and the fact that I was still interested in seeing people's updates on it. The fact that I'm playing through it now when you can actually save without fear of the game crashing on you and actually approach the role-playing decisions and saying, like, what are the ramifications? I know it gets a lot of crap, especially from gamers such as Dave who felt like it didn't offer enough difference depending on the decisions you make. But to me, it's because it's representing, like, playing... An actual role-playing game with your friends where it's more the storytelling element that you're creating on the fly like how would my character approach this situation and it is kind of refreshing knowing that you can do that without breaking the entire game if you decide to play yourself as like an absolute sociopath who murders everyone in sight or if you want to go a pacifist route it gives you both options and it doesn't force you to do it it's more about you creating the world as you're experiencing it Um, The Phantom Liberty definitely is the part that swayed me. Like I said, it's a DLC that just is like top notch and and actually introduces like the game the way it was intended to be from the outset. Um, It's just so beautiful for being such a scuzzy environment. There's so much story put into it. I think too, honestly, understanding now too that the world building is done almost through the lens of it is being done clearly through the lens of people in our era who see so many unfortunate things on the horizon in a dystopic future and kind of seeing this game as representative of like this is how it could look if everything goes wrong so i I just have to say like there's very few titles i've played that like i constantly want to check in on like how the community has responded to it want to check in on future materials interesting in a sequel and that one's this So that's why it's my game of the year.
2: Just going to say, I have no interest in this game. I tried playing it. It didn't do it for me. But a few weeks ago, I defended this one almost a little too passionately when you guys were shitting all over it. And this is why, like, people, a lot of people out there think this is one of the best games of all time. Um, Matt, I don't know if you put it that high, but it's your game of the year. And this is a game that you had to come around on because of how angry you were about your initial experience. So, um, I just want to, yeah, go back and say that I felt kind of like, I was like, damn, man, maybe I, maybe I got a little too excited the other, the other day when I was defending cyberpunk, but I, I don't know. I think it says something that you, you've basically pulled a 180, if not on your initial feelings for your experience on the completed, on the completed project that, uh, that the studio has has undertaken,
1: yeah, he did a 180 with a knife in his hand, and then you know it just like turned and stuck in my back no <laughs> i'm I'm actually glad that like this is a game that you know has been brought up from the ashes um, uh, you probably haven't seen the anime, have you no, um, so I know that like heavily influenced like a lot of the remake part, which I think is pretty cool. My first playthrough is pretty fucking op. And from what I understand now, if I attempted anything like that, uh, there would be some fail-saves, like, built into the game, which I think would probably add, a you know, a lot more levels of depth to it in the sense that, like, okay, I actually got to do combat instead of, like, standing across the street under a lampshade and, like, hacking a camera. And then from that camera, I just pretty much destroyed the entire mission. Um, but, yeah, uh, I imagine it a lot cleaned up running on software that can handle it or some firmware that can handle it. Um Probably on my new TV too, is probably something I should give a shot on. So um, I'll give it another shot in the context that, you know, it's a, to me, it's always going to be an action game before anything else. And I just want to say what Baldur's Gate is delivering is what I, not to that same level. I'm not saying I'm expecting Baldur's Gate, in cyberpunk but that same level of like hey i talked to this person after doing this or i talked to this person before doing this so that kind of changed a lot of stuff up and i think that's what i was expecting out of it uh going into it with action adventure though is probably my best mindset to give it another shot and jack wanted to add something onto that
2: um shit (laughs) i got distracted (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> uh,
0: Dave, uh, you hit the nail on the head. I mean that that's the difference is now that I've because I've experienced it. I mean, one of the reasons I have to put is my number one is that this is going to be a 60-80 hour experience, and I've already played through it. I beat this kind of game, you know, and I've only replayed one other game, and that was Last of Us Two. You know, that's like not something I normally do. Let alone replaying a game and being willing to go through an entire campaign like this. But it is, like, it's night and day in terms of, like, not having to fear the game crashing on you constantly, not having to fear, you know, major slowdowns during, like, action set pieces. So, like, you described, Dave, like, you can actually play it as an action game, and it's fun as all hell when you do that. It's when you try to play it like an RPG that it suffers. And they did a really good job of kind of gearing the game more towards that realm. And also, again, like, the rpg element like because it's kind of removed now you don't view those decisions as like complex as like in a baldur's gate where it's going to splinter off into so many different ways it more so just views it as like how would you morally handle this situation there's no repercussions but you still have to think about and there's very few games that actually pause the game and want to like check in with like how did people approach this situation did they murder the guy in cold blood because he did this Or did they try to talk it through and get them arrested? Or did they do this? Like, you know, there are too many games that make me do that. And the ones that I did, really enjoy, you know, a lot of saves coming back in the old Fallout 2 days and games like that. So, and it brings me back to that. So, heavy doses of nostalgia and definitely recency bias. But like I said, the completed project is something else. And I mean, at the very least, maybe you guys might want to check out the DLC when it goes on sale at some point. Because that way you'll just get a short, condensed version of it, and get to see what it's like in its intended form versus the garbage that Dave and I it through. Because uh, be one final point, and we'll move on to Jack's number one selection. But Dave, I think you said best in our recording about Cyberpunk was that it felt like you were playing through a beta of what the game should be, and um, that I 100% agree with, and that's where I understand your anguish because so many of these things that guide to the state that it is, is because idiots like us, you know, purchased the game at launch and play through it when it was broken. And uh, that shouldn't have been the case.
2: Your beta comment actually jogged my memory. Uh, I, I was listening to a different uh, video game podcast and they actually had like some insider connections with some of the people that worked on that game. And I, I'm I'm sorry, I can't remember what pod this was, but they basically said like the people they spoke to were just kind of, D- devastated by the fact that they are being forced to push out this game too soon because they knew what it was going to do to the reputation of the game. They knew it wasn't ready especially on the base PS4 system. And because of the almighty dollar, um this game really got, you know, kind of absolutely punished upon release.
0: It did. And it didn't help that their marketing department didn't do a good enough job of curtailing some of the rumors that were flying about, you know, heavy RPG elements and multiplayer, like David mentioned, and all this stuff that was circulating out there. They just kind of seemed to just kind of present like, no, this game has everything like you're going to love it. And then it came out. And one of the big themes, if you go back and listen to that recording between Dave and I was... Um, kind of discussing like this game actually could have worked on PS4 and systems of that nature had they just cut out a lot of the open world stuff because it wasn't ready. It crippled the game because it was too massive and really at its heart, this was an action adventure title, not an RPG. So if you cut all that out and just had it be basically an FPS game, it probably could have been pretty good and successful at launch. And guys like Dave and I probably would have been just fine and content being like, you know what? It was pretty slick. Like it has some bugs, but whatever. It's the fact that it was brought out and they said, nope, it's going to be the same game as you get on PS5 and PC and all this. And then it was absolute crap. And yeah, they knew it was going to happen. And yeah, to their credit, they did the refunds and yeah, they did the updates. But um, I also understand folks like Dave, who will probably forever hate them for you know, forcing them to slog through a garbage title after all that hype and, um, you know, being burnt forever as a result. It's a real shame because, like I said, playing through it the second time, I, I'm i just super infatuated with that world. And I'm very excited to see what happens when they uh, release a proper sequel, uh, whenever that may be.
2: Is it my turn? Do I get to talk about my favorite game of the year? Uh Dave, you said you know you had two. You ended up having two games for your number one, and and I can really show you up because the reason uh, I never gave a rating to this game is because it's not two games; it's thousands of games. My game of the year is Dreams. Dreams dominated this year for me. You know, I mentioned um, I mentioned Tears of the Kingdom kind of approaching. Well, at that point. I had about half the hours I do in dreams now. I've I've doubled my hours uh, since about six months ago because I keep going back to this game. I keep finding new creations, hundreds of creators out there just creating anything that kind of comes into the room, and, and and they're all amateurs. But there's so much talent. There's so many cool ideas. There's, it's honestly this this game has. Um, It's done the unthinkable. It is already pushing up against Elden Ring for my favorite game I've played since the uh, PlayStation 5 uh, came into my life a few years ago. I don't know. I mean, Elden Ring's got the DLC coming out. I've still got a list on my phone of two dozen creators I want to check out on Dreams because sometimes I'll just hop on YouTube and watch videos of, of creations they should check out. Um there's a sense of excitement to this game that is unrivaled. I mean, I was playing Super Mario wonder earlier this year and it's really damn good. But over and over again, as I was playing that game, I was just thinking like "Eh, dreams is a, it's crazier. It's weirder. It's more uh, exciting to jump into because you never know what you're going to get. And it's so easy to jump in and out of games. I mean, if you don't find something you can, you can jump into a dozen creations and not find a game that hooks you. But you're still having fun. Because every time you jump in, there's like this sense of anticipation for what you're going to find. Because some of these games, they suck. Most of these games, they're, they're really bad by video game standards. But it also makes it really cool that it's just some dude, like me or you, who spent the time to learn the tools of this system. There's no way they're going to get paid for it. And they've just released their work out into the world. And um, I don't know. It it just makes for a really exciting experience. It helps that um, there's probably 50 games that I've played on this that I can think of right now as really cool, unique, and fun experiences I had this year. Um, There's so much talent. Um, There's also a sense of community in Dreams that... Kind of hits in a few different ways. Um, I fell in love with this game called Divide, which is a one button minimalist arcade action game. And I just wrote like a simple little review about it saying, oh, this is a great game. If you love minimalist games, check this out. And the guy who made it hit me back directly and was like, hey, I'm super excited that three years after I put this out, you're checking it out. And I was like climbing like the top 10 leaderboards and stuff. He's like, I'm. I'm just gonna put out the rest of my stuff here. Here's check it out. This is this is the updates to the game. There's some new game modes, and to have that like, I don't know, collaboration. I, that's a strong word for for me. Like hanging on some dude's coattails, but but to have that kind of like interaction with somebody who's created something that you really think is cool was pretty exciting for me. Um, I played a different game called Dream Drop. And it was this really cool 3D action platformer with this beautiful, like dark gray aesthetic, really good gameplay mechanics. And I'm like three hours into this. I'm like, how long is this going to go for? Because one of the things about Dreams is all the creations are really small um, because it's not huge teams. It's individuals. Sometimes it's collaborations between these, between these creators, but mostly it's individuals. And I got to this point where I entered this big building, like super excited to see what was next. And there's where there was no words before in the game, there was just these big words in front of the, the wall in front of me. And I start reading them and it's this guy like being like, yeah, sorry, guys. I was really, uh, really got burnt out on making this. The girl I fell in love with is marrying another guy. And I just, I got to take a break now. <laughs> and it's just like, he just wrote this on the wall. Of <laughs> the end of his game, and that was it. That was the end of the game. Is this guy just like kind of giving a piece of his life? I don't know. Um, I I could rave about this game for hours. I I had you guys over and I showed you like some of my favorite like zany creations, but that really didn't do it justice. For just when you hop on this game and you just start plowing through creations, and and every now and then you find something that really just is like, whoa, this is special. And that happened over and over again over the last year. Um, And I expect it will continue to go. Um, Yesterday, I continued to check out uh, games by one of my favorite creators, Entropy Tamed. Um, Just these minimalist puzzles, or I'm sorry, minimalist arcade games. Uh, Lock is a game that doesn't have any right to be, It it should be a game in itself. And is was the first great puzzle game I played this year. And I give it credit because um, I get why people overlook this game. I did it twice. First, when I jumped in a couple years ago and I played Art Stream, which is like the flagship title for this game. And I liked that. But I tried checking out some other titles and nothing clicked. So I was just like, oh. So I go in again, uh, mostly to check out this game, Lock. And once again, I'm, I'm searching titles and I can't find anything. I'm like, I guess it's just not for me. And then... Stuff started clicking, um, you know. You, Matt, you made fun of me earlier this year for rolling around in, in, a, in a game called Ball Adventures as a marble, uh, but I fucking love that game. It's awesome. It's fantastic 3D platforming. The level design is so damn good. This dude, Razor Fist, um, the zany creations of this guy, Kinardo. I showed you a uh, Walking Simulator, a game that just spoofs the whole Walking Simulator genre. I showed you the first half of that game. I didn't show you the twist where after you finally find yourself in the bomb shelter, a bomb blows off, destroys the world, and the second half of the game is you walking through an apocalypse wasteland of of the of the world you just went through. I mean, I could just go on and on. I got there's just so many creators doing so many cool stuff on this, and um, like I said, I don't know what's going to end up like my best games of this generation, but it might be this weird ass ps4 title that came out several years ago and um i just think this game has so much potential and you know what the creators are kind of ending their support for it i don't care i'm gonna keep checking out stuff that that these people are putting out because there's thousands more creations i haven't touched upon
1: jack jack's going further and further into the indie hole now he's like in proto indie game territory (laughs) (laughs)
0: like
1: the 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 ancient matter that indie games are made out of Jack swimming in. Next year, I'm going to buy him some Duplos. Not even Legos. Something way way easier to deal with.
0: I was going to say you're like that hipster kid who's like only into independent films, but has seen too many independent films, so now it can only be things shot on VHS with like (laughs) minimum like you know maximum three actors and no soundstage and
2: hey. My number two game of the year sold 10 million copies in the first few weeks, so I love me a good AAA title here and there. but there's a magic to dreams that cannot be captured by any AAA developer. There's just an excitement that somebody sitting at home who isn't for the passion uh, provides that that you just can't get in you know the AAA sector.
0: I, I agree. I mean, that's why I'm actually interested in like something like a Steam Deck, just because uh, I feel like you get a lot of that on like the PCs um, of just smaller like, independent developers who are just kind of putting it out there and hoping for the best, and, and some of them having a lot to offer, um, especially now.
1: Game like this just reiterates something I felt like I stressed why my number one games were my number one is that because imagination is like allowed to like be flexed as hard as possible. And then this is Dreams is one of those games where it's like the whole basis of it is someone's willingness to try to figure out a pretty basic gaming mechanic. And how they can make some entertaining and fulfilling with it. And I'm super glad Jack's found it and has that much invested into it. I think that's something that like I probably you know, you guys know me. I want I want the flash and want the glitz. That's why like Baldur's Gate 3 is like super exciting for me because it's like oh jam-packed full of stuff. But yet, you know, um just the fact that like Jack, you know, like I don't appreciate it, but Jack sees something in it that like is awesome like there was a game that i was over at jack's and we were it was at the tail end of the night we're pretty drunk and um we were watching dr disrespect and tim the Tatman man play a game called only up which is not around right now but it it, it was just such a hilarious interaction and jack ended up finding kind of like a an attempted version of it on dreams and that was like pretty cool that someone could be like, hey, this is a game that I can kind of replicate, or I could at least try to replicate within Dreams, and to be able to execute it and put it out there and for Jack and I to be like, oh, cool, like they have something out here for this. So um just the fact that this game is really a portal for people's imagination is fucking
2: awesome. Well, and that's one of the things that actually held me back from um f- clicking with this game is that so many of the um, the system they have in Dreams is you give a thumbs up if you like it. And so many of the games that either get um, a lot of hits on YouTube or get the really high thumbs up are either emulators of like Super Mario Brothers, Resident Evil, going up, all those. Or there's like these um, FPSs, uh, 3D platformers. And that's... Not I'm I'm not I can find those, like a, a a slick version of those in the real gaming sphere. I don't need to go into dreams to find those. Um what I like about dreams is the really weird ass shit. Um and that's kind of like the stuff that you're not gonna find in the AAA space. So that that's one of the reasons it took me a while to get into dreams is because I kinda had to find my um find a better pathway than like trying to check out all the like the ultra popular ones just as a it gets to a point where you can kind of say, yeah, this one isn't going to be for me, but um, yeah. From
0: the enemy of fun to the aggregator, to the asterix, now with not having a rating for your top game of the year <laughs> 2023, <laughs> but no, it makes sense. Um, you know, the games you did show us actually were amazing when you describe them exactly how they are. I mean, these are made by individuals and, you know, some of those you couldn't tell. I mean, they were just as good, if not better, than some of the stuff put out by True Studios. So, um, and, you know, I'm really hoping, like like you had mentioned, that support sounds like has been, uh, is either planned to end or will be, or has ended, and uh, I'm hopeful that there will be another game of this nature uh, coming out eventually for the new hardware um, available, because um, it'd be a real shame if something like that doesn't exist. I, I know that like there's definitely clear interest, especially with seemingly younger generations of these kind of manipulating worlds and offering kind of different playthrough experiences like that. So um, I really they'd be it'd be a shame if they don't either make a sequel and or a remake of some nature of this title uh, for the PS5. All right, boys. Well, that's 2023 in a nutshell for best of the year. Uh, Jack right now is putting these to paper so he can haunt <laughs> us mercilessly uh, next year when we get to it and I start complaining about something CD Projekt Red did, and he can point to a list and be like, "Hey, jerk off, you have <laughs> <laughs> Cyberpunk is your top game," but no. I saw um,
2: you. I saw you how you hedge there. Eight point five. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you put that in there for me.
0: <laughs> like I said, 8.5. That protects me all around. That way I don't have to give out a. Day. I don't think I had any 10s, to be honest, but we'll have to uh, review that ahead. But...
2: Dark Souls 3.
0: Oh, Dark Souls 3. Okay, well, you know, like I said, recency bias, recency bias. But...
2: Yeah, you had that. You had that above uh, Elden Ring. it. <laughs>
0: Well, in many ways, like I said, there were components I liked, so I will defend that to death. Uh, um, there were many parts of Elden Ring I did learn uh, to appreciate and less after playing through Dark Souls 3 and realizing they had already done them. So, anyway, that's a topic you can review at one of our old podcasts if you're interested. Um, this has been Couch Co-op, a video game podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.